So our next witness is Colleen Brantz. Colleen, uh, can you start by stating your full name for the record, spelling your first and last name? Colleen Branzi, C-O-L-L-E-E-N-B-R-A-N-D-S-E. And do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Now, my understanding is, is that for 28 years, you um, worked as a registered nurse in the province of Ontario. Yes. And when the COVID-19 vaccines came along, you were hesitant. Am I right about that? Yes, I was. Can you share with us the steps you took um, because you were hesitant? Um, well, I was diagnosed with T-cell lymphoma in February 2021. And I knew as a nurse um, that that's my immune system. And uh, I knew enough. My gut had told me. And I knew enough that I didn't really feel comfortable taking something that wasn't tested um, and proven and that was new. So I thought, well, my GP had mentioned that I should take it. And I said, I'd prefer to wait to talk to the oncologist. Um, so I waited and I spoke with her in June. And she said, I'm telling everybody to get it. And I said, so you don't think that I'm going to have any adverse reactions? That's my immune system. She said, no, you'll be fine. And she recommended I take them three weeks apart. Okay, so armed with that information, what did you do? I did what she said. I trusted her. So I took my first on June 7th, uh, 2021. And three weeks exactly later, I took my second. And what was the result of that? Well, my first injection, I had some tingling in the face and uh, weird sensations, but it went away. So I thought, okay, well, that's just anxiety. You're nervous. Um, and it resolved within, you know, a half hour or so. So I thought, okay, I'm fine. It's just anxiety. I'll get the second shot in three weeks. Um, so I did. Initially, I was fine. And then two weeks exactly to the day, I started developing shooting pains in my feet, um, which eventually led to numbness and foot drop, uh, numbness up my legs. Then a month or so later, I was still questioning. I had a CT of the spine to make sure that I didn't have any issues with my spine that was causing it. I had seen a, a foot clinic. Um, they kind of didn't feel that it was related to my spine um, and explained it, and I, I agreed. So my eyebrows were starting to get raised at that point. And then about four weeks, five weeks later, my vision went in my right eye. And I knew at that point. That, and then my cousin had the exact same thing. And I knew at that point, okay, this is definitely the vaccine. Then come December, um, I had a lot of different things. There's way too many to even list because every system has been affected. Um, I ended up with mottled legs. They're still mottled. Pericarditis. 
um, increased shortness of breath, worsened vocal cord paralysis, where I almost had to have a trach done. I have double brain aneurysms that were unable to be surgically repaired that needed urgent surgery because I've been gaslit and nobody will help me. I guess that's probably what I found the most difficult about this whole experience is not only the physical, the isolation, loss of family, friends, people telling me I'm nuts, but to go to a, as a nurse, to go to a hospital after a hospital or specialist and plead with them to help me so I can get my brain surgery done and have nobody help is just been, there's no words. Can I, can I just, and I don't mean to interrupt, but you worked in the hospital system for 28 years. Had you ever seen patients being turned away that, that needed surgery like you needed? No, as a matter of fact, I've used that as an example. I've said, you know, people used to go to the ER for a bladder infection. Um, and how is it? One thing that raised a red flag to me initially is when they were telling people, if you have symptoms, go home. Don't come back with your symptoms until you can't breathe. Well, by then you're dead almost. And that just didn't, I just couldn't understand. So, and I don't know. I think that uh, the gaslighting and that the amount of lives that have been lost um, and that will be lost, mine possibly and pretty much will be, is absolutely devastating when a lot of them could have been helped. Can, can I ask, you've used the term gaslighting a couple of times, and can you explain for us what exactly you're referring to? Give us some examples. Yeah. Um, well, I've been to the ER a few times, and when I presented my neurological issues, uh, symptoms of having TIAs, which is a warning to stroke, of course, they rushed me right to the back. They were going to do everything. When I showed them my mottled legs and voiced concern about blood clotting, as soon as the doctor asked me when it all started and I mentioned the vaccine, I was done and out of there within a half hour. <laughs> so I just want to make sure I understand. And um, I, I've got two questions. But the first one is, can you explain for us what you mean when you say mottled legs? Where um, typically before somebody passes away within hours to maybe a day or two, you'll notice that their legs, quite often it starts in the knees, will get like a veiny look, um, but not just like a varicose vein. It's everywhere. Okay, so you were seeing that on your legs. That's what you mean when you say you had yes. modeled legs. Now, <clears throat> I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. So you've attended at the hospital, you were just telling of this time, and they're taking you very seriously. That You've indicated to them you may be having a stroke, you've gone to the back, there's this concern about modeled legs. But as soon as you mention that you think that it's connected to the vaccine, the treatment changed? It absolutely did. I was sent home within a half an hour when a CT should have been done. They should have ran way more tests to find out if I had what was called antiphospholipid syndrome. 
because they're high risk with clot issues. Plus I had had a pulmonary embolism when I was 29. So that should have automatically been a, whoa, let's check this girl. Right. So you, you had the misfortune actually because of your uh, career as a nurse to actually understand that you were not being treated properly. Absolutely. And yeah. I thought that might carry a little weight, but apparently it didn't. Now, my understanding is, is also your, um, your family has been affected by the vaccine. Can you share that with us? Sorry. Oh, no, take your time, please. So, <laughs> excuse me. In July of 2021, my husband was diagnosed with bowel cancer. He had surgery. They said they got it all. They were pretty sure. So July 2022, he had his one-year follow-up. They said he was clear. No cancer. Blood work was good. CT was good. And around the same time, I get a call from uh, my son that he's at the hospital and he's had uh, chest pain. And that they told him that it was probably anxiety. I said, do not leave the hospital, Connor, without a CT and a D-dimer. So they did that. And it ended up he had a pulmonary embolism. He's 23. Two weeks, around the same time, two weeks, give or take, I can't recall right now, I'm too nervous. My husband had the same with multiple blood clots. And then, and that was the same month that he was roughly cleared of his cancer. It was give or take a few weeks either way. And then within five months, my husband, at Christmas, December 20th, 2022, was told that he had stage four liver cancer that had metastasized from the colon. And both your husband and your son are fully vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine? Yeah, my husband had, uh, my son has two, and my husband had three. I'm sorry that this is so difficult, and we so appreciate you sharing with us. Can you um, tell us the impact that these vaccinations have had on you and your family? There's not enough time. There really isn't. There's so much that I could go on and on about. I mean, I worry about getting a call that my son, who's 23, thinks he's invincible. He's at that age. He's working out. He's playing hockey. I keep waiting for the phone call because he's not totally compliant with his meds. I am now, you know, my husband's getting chemo um, and he'll have to have chemo for the rest of his life, which by the looks of how he's doing right now, it's not looking good. I've got him on other stuff and I'm doing what I can to try and reverse 
and have a miracle come, but um, I live in fear of what my future is going to be because I, I mean, I might lose my home. There's so much, but I am just devastated. I'm devastated how our government knew that there was issues and still allowed the people and, and to now even continue after they know what's come out. I could see if they, you know, Pfizer or Moderna had produced a product that it was an emergency and they had to get it out and they weren't quite sure. But I mean, it's, it, it has been known now for, you know, well over a year that there is people dying in way higher numbers than are ever reported. I've reported myself. And I was told by the health unit nurse that they determined that all of my issues were pre-existing. I said, well, I figured that's what would come back. It's criminal. I mean, and I can't even get a doctor that can diagnose anything. I am still, um, I just got an appointment for an immunologist or a, a neural, neurologist to do my EMG testing, which is your nerve testing to diagnose me with small fiber neuropathy, and that's not for two years. I mean, I'll be dead by then, or could be. I shouldn't say that. And thank you, Colleen. I don't have any further questions for you. I'll ask if the commissioners have any questions. And the commissioners don't have any questions. Uh, Colleen, on behalf of the National Citizens Inquiry, we sincerely thank you. Thank you, and I thank you for coming and listening.